When I close my eyes on that song, I just picture the Lord on His throne, man. Just me and Him. I don't know what you're doing out there, but just me and Him. I'm just singing, worthy is the Lamb, the darling of heaven. Crucified. Crucified. Man, what a song. Glory. Maybe we'll all get a shot at being choir director. You know what? And we'll all love to sing everybody other's song. Won't be no attitudes. Won't be no bummed out. If Lenny wants to sing the song I just did and he wants to do it, you'll be happy. You'll be glad. He'll be able to sing and I'll be able to sing. In fact, I'm hoping I'll be able to play every instrument there is. I love sports. I still do, but I'd give it all up to be able to play everything. I didn't know about God back then. What a way to worship God. Forget stupid sports. Worship God. Piano, guitar, drums, trumpets, saxophone. You'll see me. I'll be surrounded by angels, hopefully my wife, and all the instruments. I don't think we're given in marriage, but I'm going to try to break that role when I get there. <laughs> Glory to God. That'll be a rough one, but I'll be changed and it'll be perfect. Well, I'm thankful that the fair is over. No one got hurt through the flood, the storms, and the fire. Praise God. At last I know, no one got punched out or burned, which is always successful. The Lord's blessed us again. Uh, and we'll be able to use that money wonderfully to help us with the kitchen and the teen center that's uh, halfway getting there. Usually I would hold this up. It was when you would fail to respond to worship because God says the rocks will cry out. And there's one song that I think it's an old black gospel song that said no rocks going to take my place. Okay, but you sang good today. You did. But I have a different reason for this rock today because I was in my office and studying and asking the Lord, God, what do you want? What do you want, Lord? You can always manufacture something, but what do you want? And the scripture that I came across started off, actually, he's rebuking the Jews. But the end of this verse is so powerful. It's one of these, to me, these power scriptures that we probably miss most of the time because we're looking at the rebuke. And it starts out in Luke 3, 8, one verse. And he simply says, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And he can say, you know, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm there. But God says, I want to see fruit worthy of repentance. And he starts to lay them out. And begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. Here's this scripture that part of the scripture we probably never able to just get because we're looking at the rebuke. God says this, the Lord says this, For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Do you understand what that? Do you understand how powerful your God is? God, if He wanted to right now, can raise up a child from this stone. Now look at this. As you look at this, start running your list of problems in your life. The things that bum you out, mess you up, cause you not to believe God. And the Word of God is telling you, your God is so awesome, so powerful. If He wants to, He can raise up a child from this hunk of rock that I'm holding. That's what the Word of God says. I believe it. Think of your problems. And think of how awesome your God is. What is an electric bill to this? What is needing a job to this? 
But God says, if I can just speak to this rock, then it'll become a worshiper. It will glorify me and magnify me if I so desire. So just as God was saying to them, don't say in yourselves, we're Abraham. Don't say in yourselves, yeah, but this problem and that. Start looking at the Word of God for what it says. I don't care what problem you have. God can take this goofy rock and make a worshiper. What it says. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord. And God, I pray that you would let faith run through this sanctuary. Lord, that you would just spread faith, Lord God, upon your people, that they could start to believe how awesome, how strong, how marvelous, how wonderful, Lord God, that truly nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, with us, everything is impossible. But Lord, with you, we're going to concentrate upon you this morning, Lord, not our problems, Lord, not our marriages, our children, our country, our nation, not the economy, nothing. We want to zero in on the awesomeness of our God. And then, Lord, we're going to come to you. And we're going to believe by faith. Because you have told us, Lord, to everyone is dealt a measure of faith to believe, Lord. Your people are here this morning. Lord, we are always in need. And we're going to come to you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I hope this rock... I will sit up here. Every time you get the thought of, yeah, but that your eyes will focus on that rock. Or that you don't believe the Word of God, one or the other. It's, it's just that simple. God says, if I want to, I'm able. I'm able to take this rock and, and I can bring a worshiper just like that. And, and I believe that. In fact, the Word of God tells us God takes nothing and causes things. There's nothing and He can, he can do it. Right now, this verse, he says, I'm able of these stones to raise up. Think of how awesome your God is and quit meditating and mauling over the negative and the thoughts and the defeats and various things that go on in our life. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says this, For thou art, you now, you and I, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee. God has chosen thee. You know, we like to think we chose Him, but we didn't. God chose you. He chose you. Handpicked you. God chose you. Listen to the words. Listen to the Word of God, because the enemy's always telling you you're nothing. You're trash. You're a waste. But God has chosen you to be a special people unto Himself. Not to someone else, but unto Him. God says, I choose you to be special unto me. And it goes on and tells us in the Word of God here, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord hath chosen thee to be a special people unto Himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now he's talking to the Jews, but you and I have been grafted into the vine and we become born again. Spiritual Jews. Verse 7 says, The Lord did not set His love upon you or choose you because you were awesome. Because you were the best piano player, best singer, best preacher, best Christian. No, God says, I, I, no, I chose you because you were none of that. 
You didn't have any of those qualities. The Lord did not set His love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all the people. And here's why God did it. God says, but because the Lord loved you. You are absolutely loved by God this morning. God is on your side. God is not your enemy. It's not like, okay, God, what are you going to answer these prayers? Come on, what you, come on, wise up. No, God's on your side. The enemy has a way of spinning us. And it's seeming like God becomes our enemy because a, an answer to a prayer doesn't come in the way you think it ought to come in. And you forget the fact that God says, my ways aren't your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. That God's a covenant-keeping God, full of mercy, grace, and power. And that God's on your side. And if He wants to speak to the rocks that are in your life and just, bam, they're gone, He will. He says, but because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondman from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And you were all in bondage to sin. And your king was Satan himself. And God brought you out. Loose those bonds when you gave your heart to God and He brought you out of Egypt, which is a type of the world and all its mess. Verse 9 says, Know therefore that because of everything that we said, including the stone and rock, know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God. See, we dummy that down all the time in our reading and our theology and our preaching and our talking. But you understand, man, He is God. The only thing I can think is probably the majority of us, if not almost all of us, don't believe He can do that. That bam, instantly, a worshiper. God says, I'm able. And He's looking for people to believe, to step out in faith, no matter what's going on in your life, to just trust Him and believe Him. And the fruit, the trusting God is peace. That He'll do it. Not running back and saying, it's still a rock. But it's peace and trusting Him. And then you, you go on in your life and do and accomplish what you do. What you have to do, whether it's work, raise children, believe God, teach Sunday school, preach, whatever it is. Still believing and trusting. Having a peace that God is able. And He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God. You live in the midst of liars and truth-breakers. You and I do. From you and I to everybody around us. Everybody around us. Take your little cute little child that you love more than all the other children. Did you take that cookie? Hmm? Liar. Chocolate chips all around his face. That's what we do, even just when we're bigger. We're truce breakers. We're liars. We have difficulty believing. You can have signed contracts and agreements and nothing. You can have elected officials and you can say, don't do this. They do it. Everything. And God is saying in the midst of that, I'm not like that. And you have to have faith to believe that this morning. That God is interested and He has chosen you because He loves you. He knows you're a mess up. He knows you fumble the ball. He knows you'll fumble it again. He knows all that. He chose you and He loves you. That's what the Word of God says. He is God. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which 
keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's me. That's me. Even through my flub-ups and my mess-ups, I love God. I'm not even telling God I'm faithful. No, he's faithful. He's the faithful God, and he'll keep his covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He is God. That's what you got to get in your mind. You're serving God, not man. You've got to separate the two like the egg and the yolk. You've got to separate it to see who's God and man. Don't let man get mixed into that. That word God means supreme God. That means mighty. It means exceeding. And this God loves you. The supreme God. The mighty God, exceeding God, and He chose you, and He keeps His covenant with you, and His mercy to you. You have it this morning because the Bible tells you you got it this morning. His grace is sufficient for you, and He loves you, and He's your God. Your God. I mean, we're dealing with things harder than this this morning. One of these things, they all... This is the least hardest sometimes of, of believing the Word of God and, and looking at the Word of God. It's amazing. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto Him that is able. The Word of God speaks about Him. Remember this whole Gospel is about Him and not us. Unto Him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. So whatever you're asking or thinking or meditating or mulling over or praying about right now, God says, I can do beyond that. How many found that to be true? You just ask for this and this whole, all this other stuff. The Word of God is true. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. And look, we are askers. We'll find out in about five months of Christmas presents. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that, I want this, I want this, 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 this. We can ask. But God, in fact, God knows that. So I think that's why I put the other part in there. Even ask or think beyond what we can think. This is amazing. According to the power that works in us. Again, that has nothing to do with you. He is able to exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Because He is God. He's the supreme God. He's the exceeding God. He's the mighty God. He calls those things that aren't as though they are. He can take a stone. I'm able to raise up children from this stone because of who I am and all that encompasses my name. Might and power and glory and majesty. I speak and things happen. Your God, who chose you. It's not like a, a pickup game and you're the last one standing there. All right, we'll take Jason. Because that's how we pick. That's not what he's done. He chose you because he loves I'll take Brenda, I'll take Brenda. Because he loves you. That's your God. This is the one we're going to talk to and pray. Matthew Henry, great scholar, says this. There is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God. You can't exhaust it. 
You can exhaust our patience. Work the fair. Work the window. Where's the window, people? You can. You can exhaust our love, our grace, our patience, our strength. You just can. Matthew Henry says about God, there is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God, which the prayers of all the saints can never draw dry. Never, never draw dry. Whatever we may ask or think to ask still, God is still able to do more exceedingly abundantly than what we think. You can ask us, and I don't know why anybody would ask for soup beans, and you can say, I got just one more, and you tip the thing over, and you can just, God's is always full. You can all ask for it, and it's still full. It doesn't go, oh, I took the last soup. It's always full. God's grace. It's full this morning for what you need to ask for. The grace and the mercy. His love for you is full this morning. His ability is full this morning. Man, if you came yesterday, I just did my last stone man trick. He's got, he's full all the time at any place, at any given moment, according to the power that's in us. So Paul says, but know ye not you're the temple? You're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you according to the power that worketh in us. God. God. Not the way it used to be. You turn over the old leaf, you're still the old leaf. You're still the person. You're the same one. I'll be better. I'll be better. I'll be better. You're not any better. I'll lose weight January 1st. You're stuffing your face January 8th. I'll do better. I'll do better. I won't act like that. I won't act like that. I'll stop getting drunk. You drunk the next day. I'll stop cussing. I'll stop cussing. Blanket, I said I'll stop cussing. Seriously, that's us. That's the power that's in us. None. There isn't any. We are given, we are chained to do the carnal nature, whatever it says and do. We'll talk the way it says to talk. We'll do what it says to do until you get the power of God in you. God in you. In you, this exceeding, great, amazing, all-powerful God is in me. And I'm not ripped open with scars. I don't have to take my shirt off and show you all the staples from here to here to here to here. He just went in me. He's able. And I have no clue how he did it. I just believe it. I believe it. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells, inhabits, resides in, in you and I. You, right now, if you are really a true believer, the Spirit of God's in you. Man, that's amazing right there. Jeez. Colossians 2, 9 says, By God, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. Not parts of it, pieces of it, almost of it, fullness. God. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Look at verse 10. And you are complete in him. You are. You don't need anything else to make you complete. If I just had a car, that's carnal thinking. If I just had this house, that's carnal thinking. If I just had that guy, that's carnal thinking. If I just had this job, that's carnal thinking. That's the way the world thinks. That's what the world strives for. Those ladders. If I can just get up to that one ladder, one more ladder, sir. That's all carnal thinking. God says, you are totally complete in me. 
absolutely complete in God. But you and I function carnally. We do. Now, it's all right to have a car. It's all right to buy a house. But this stuff is not fulfilling. God says, you are complete in me. In me. That's why the people with the umpteen most billion dollars in the world do the stupidest things in the world. You're still, they're not complete. They're not satisfied. They're not long. Oh, money will do it. It doesn't. Only God can do this. Seriously. Just you, you should be able to prove that just by reading all the news and watching TV and see what the next goofy Hollywood star does. Takes their, you know, Bentley and runs and rams into the wife's Jaguar and they end up getting divorced. It's like, what? They're playing with these cars like that. This is unsatisfying, unfulfilling. There's no completion. Look, you are not an undone project. You're not. We like wearing those buttons because they give us an excuse to act like don't donkey hind end. What's that button? What's it called? You see, have patience with me or something. I'm not done or I'm a Christian not done. God's not finished with me yet. So you have a reason to get mad and say something good. Button. And all the time you got God inside of you. You put more for your button. Then the God inside of you. That's what we do. That's carnal thinking. If you call upon God, truly call upon God, that grace and mercy is there to get you through. God says this, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. He's the head of it all. And you are complete in Him means full, means lacking nothing. I am not an unfinished project. I'm complete. I'm a perfect artwork of God. As He mastered me, peace, He drew me, I'm complete, He said, in Him. Now believe it by faith that God is able to do what He says. Forget about all the yabbats and the aches and plants. We live in a sin-cursed world. God says, the water will not overflow you. and The fire will not burn. God says, I'm able. I'm able to do that. Forget all those fancy vases and QVC and all the places you buy. Go out and get a piece of rock off the bank. Place that somewhere in a premier place in your house. Just leave it sit there. And every time you go by, you have to say, yeah, I can believe God. Forget the vase. Hebrews tells us what to do. 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's what Hebrews tells us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher. Author and finisher of our faith. You do understand we're not talking about being perfect. Perfect, by the way, the world says is perfect. Perfect, according to the Word of God, means mature. You should be that. You should be that. If you stumbled and blew it down at the fair, you should open up the window and say, I'm sorry for yelling at you. Forgive me. That's mature. That's being perfect in the eyes of God. Don't mix those words up. Here's another power scripture. No matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're thinking about right now, this scripture says, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make, look, all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That is a powerful scripture. 
And it's one we probably don't pay a whole lot of attention to. It's probably not highlighted in any of your Bibles. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Remember what grace is. God's divine ability to move upon your heart and to reflect it in your life. Meaning no matter what you're called to go through, no matter how deep it gets, how low the trial gets, God says all grace is given to you. You don't have to go "Ah," and lose it. Blow your testimony. God says, no, 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 no. All grace. I got so much more. All God's divine ability to move upon your heart and to reflect it in your life towards you. God says, oh my goodness. And we go through some horrendous things. We do. Loss of children, loss of spouses. God says, all my grace. And God says, I'm able. I'm able to do it. And then here's why. He goes, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things. Meaning that all that you need is supplied for God, by God, for you to go through. So that, look, so that you still abound in every good work. Now think of how many bad days we have in our lives. Every bad day, then I should just quit being pastor. Hopefully you catch me on a good day. How many days off would I be? More than on. The pulpit would look like that majority of the days. You'll come all gathered and you go, uh, I guess I had a bad day. Right? I mean, because that, that's what's what life has a ton of bad days. They just do. The news for one thing, situation, stuff. I mean, we're, our fair booth's only open one week. We had windstorm, flood, and fire. That was four days, nothing happened. Three days, I mean, that's almost 50% trouble in just seven days. We do it once a year. So the pulpit would be empty. Majority of the time. But God says, no, 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 no. Get this scripture. I am able. Not you. God is able to have all His grace and divine ability to move upon you. That you, with everything that you need in all things, all sufficiency, that you may abound in every good work. In other words, as dark as it's going to get and will get out there, you can still shine in the light for God. Absolutely. You can. So what problems are you facing today? You understand, don't reach for the flashlight when you don't have any problems. That's never going to happen. What Goliath is screaming in your ear today? You've got to understand that he's God, supreme God. And you take this supreme God to you in these prayers and point out the Goliath. And know that he is able. I'm able. I believe it. If God wants to, he could have a dude poofy sitting right on my pulpit if he wanted to. I believe it. I believe it. I believe God could translate me right now somewhere. Wouldn't it be awesome if I just go for a minute? Just bam. Bam, I'm back. You guys would be all, you'd be pale white. And the first words out of your mouth would be, I don't believe it. That's what we do with God. Gotta stop living there. And start believing. 
Start trusting God. True trusting God is giving God something and then a fruit from it to trust God to deal with it is the peace that you'll go on. Problems still raging around you. You still might have to deal with it. You say, I don't know. I keep praying. keep trusting God. Yes. God is also a faithful God. He's a faithful God. This is hard for us to get because none of us can proclaim faithfulness. Psalms 18.2 said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. That's what this God is to you. The flood's coming. Then run into the high tower. That's what He is. These can't be just a cute song or a word. This must be your life. Verse 3 says right after that, says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Call upon God. Run to that high tower. Run to your buckler and your fortress. Run to the rock. I've had a lot of little goodies in my bag here. All kinds. You know what they all are, right? Most of the time. For those who believe the roof's going to fall in when they come, I tell them I have a hard hat for you. Mount up with wings. But all through this kind of stuff, various things have broken. And I've had to throw them away. There's nothing ever has happened to this. Nothing ever. And God says, I am your rock. And when you reach and call upon me, I won't be in pieces. I won't be busted up. I won't be this little pebble. What happened to you, God? No, I am your rock. I will always be. And I always am. We have enemies. God says, I will save you from everyone. The grave is our enemy. Death is our enemy. Hell is our enemy. But God says in 2 Timothy, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and keep you from evil. God keeps me from evil. I know He does. He keeps me from evil. Keeps me. That word keeps me means to guard, to keep an eye on. Now, a lot of my friends that have been in this church for a number of years, we're moving into another era. Whether you like it or not, you have grandchildren now. It's something I thought would never happen. But as they pay attention to their grandchildren, when ours, I mean, we live on a cul-de-sac, there's like two houses behind us, but they're out there on their bikes flying all over that road. We're watching. Sometimes they'll sit in a rocking chair and I'll just watch. Just make sure. It could be one car coming. Who knows? I don't know what will happen. But that's what that word keep means. That word keep means to guard, to keep an eye on. I being evil, do that to my grandchildren. How much more will God do it to me? To keep me from evil. You gotta believe this stuff. But the Lord is faithful. Something could happen and I could go indoors and answer the phone or something or then move on to something else, put something away and go, oh, Luke. And forget that he's out there. He might have crashed, be sprawled out on the. No, God sees all the time. All the time. The Lord is faithful to establish you and keep you. For me, that word establish means to make stable, means to place firmly, to set fast, to fix. Churches are revolving doors. I don't know if they still have the big department stores in big towns, maybe 
Ruth's been to New York where they still have the revolving doors. Remember the door? That's the way it is. And when we were little, you just keep going. That's what churches are. They don't trust God that He is able to keep them, to make them stable, to establish them, to fix them no matter what happens. They're in and they're out. 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 And their kids are going. Psalms 57, 7 says, My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. And the only reason why that psalmist can proclaim that is because God has established him. And he's learning to put his trust into God. My heart is fixed. 2 Timothy 2, 3 says, We believe not yet. God abides faithful. Yet God abides faithful. Faithful. And I remember going through things with somebody and I mean, it was like 15, 18 months or whatever, rejection, no, 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 no. And I mean, even really, I would find something. I think it was one time in Cracker Barrel, I saw one of their signs. I took a picture of it and sent it to the person because it was speaking about the situation. And, and, and the situation's resolved. Just our timing. God is faithful. He's absolutely faithful. Thirdly, as we move on, He keeps covenants. God keeps His promise. Psalms 105.8 says, He hath remembered His covenant forever. The word which He commanded to a thousand generations. Living in a time where seven out of ten end up in divorce court, they get married. It's a covenant. You're standing before God. Before God in this company, we pronounce. God says, I remember my covenant forever. Forever. The word which He commanded to a thousand. Covenant means contract, promise, agreement. And that's what this ring is. Contract, contract, promise, and agreement. Genesis 9 says, and we just, I just saw this the other day. Ruth and I, and maybe Aaron Milodovich was in the truck. Were you with us when we saw the rainbow? Yes. I can't remember what day. It was one of the storms coming from the fair. And he says, and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, and that I remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all the flesh that is upon the earth. Do you understand why that rainbow is there? I don't care what the scientists say. Well, it's the prism. The sun hits it. It crystallizes and makes it. Oh, go study a book. That bow is perfect. It's per Why isn't it? Why isn't it? Why aren't the colors all just? It's just perfect. Every time I see it, I'm reminded. That's God's promise. He will not destroy the earth or flood anymore. And when do you see it? After some bad rain. I mean, some, well, we had some wild rains at the fair, this, my shift, uh, my, early in the week, Sunday, Monday, around there. Oh, my gosh. I mean, bad rain. And then God says, don't panic. It's God's covenant to you. I mean, that's why that's in the sky. There's a manifestation of God's covenant to you. You always say, well, if I walked with Jesus, then I would believe. Well, just look at the rainbow. There it is. It says it in Genesis. The bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it. God's looking at it as I look at it. And he says, I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature as upon the earth. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. 
How about that? People spend their lives or even actually get killed trying to climb those big mountains, Mount Everest and all that. God says, they'll be removed. That stuff will fall down. That'll be nothing. But my kindness will remain. And God uses mountains because they're like, well, I mean, aren't they unmovable? I mean, who, what? Look at those things. And God says, it'll be a day. My kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on me. God says, I'm able. I'm able. Person. Boom. God wants him to be 32, he'll be 32. God wants him to be a woman, be, she'll be a woman. He wants to be 65, wants to be 7. Wants to be 10, boom. God can do it. I'm able from these stones. What are you thinking in your heart? Why are you going there? God says, I'm able. Here's the covenant we make, need to make. 2 Kings 23, 3 says, And the king stood by a pillar, made a covenant before the Lord, to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and all the people stood to the covenant. If you would make that covenant and you would get in the Word of God and you start looking at the Word of God with that promise and that covenant, you'll start to believe. You'll start to believe. It'll just start to produce faith inside of you and you'll start to believe. You stay out of it, God will look at you and say, why are you saying in your heart, I can't? Because it's not in there. He is the pilgrim's companion. Do you understand? We're pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. He is our companion. Genesis tells us this, And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. God says, I will not leave. God has a purpose and a plan for my life, even at my age now. He still wants me to complete things and full things. His, his grace towards me is abundant. All that you need, all sufficient, everything that you do, that you continue to do this work for me, through the problems that we have, in spite of the problems that we will have. He's the sleepless watchman. He never sleeps. I had a tough time getting up this morning. I mean, and I didn't work the fair yesterday. It was one of those perfect days. It's just what? Oh, kind of dark, a little bit of rumble of thunder, a little rain. Cozy covers, your nice little wifey. I'm like, oh, man. What people? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, was, I wanted to just zonk. Psalms 121.4 says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. Never, never, never does God go to what people. Never slumber nor sleep. My heavenly Father. Psalms 115.12 says this, The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. I find that to be true. God has blessed us. And He continues to bless us. And He's blessing my household and blessing my seed as they proclaim Christ. 
Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand of my righteousness. What do you need God to do today? What are you asking? He knows whether it lines up with His Word or not. He knows whether you need it or not. <clears throat> We're talking about calling upon God. God gave me three words to tell you for this altar. No matter what situation you're going in, these are the three words. Simple words. I am here. God's here this morning. He's the faith and you believe and He's able. Let's stand. I believe that God is able to take this stone and raise up a child. Raise up a people. I believe that this rock can split and cry out the praises and the worship of God if we don't. I believe it. I believe it. What do you need to believe God for this morning? God is telling you, I am here. Your job this morning is to step out in faith and just come in. And stand at this altar. And then we're going to pray. Just come out and stand. And believe. Maybe 